Good morning, Grace Covenant family. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday morning. And I want to welcome our Grace Covenant family and also want to welcome those of you that are not part of a regular uh, service here at Grace but are watching this online. Thank you for joining us. And for everyone watching right now, would you just in the comments section say hello, say hello to one another. And as you do that, I'm just going to tell you what we are uh, digging into this morning, and that is the topic of God is greater in this time of uncertainty, in this time of trials and tribulations. Do we believe, brothers and sisters, that God is greater than our circumstances, that God is greater than how we feel in these circumstances, and that God is greater than anything in this world. So that is where we are headed this morning. But before I get into scripture, just let me pray for all of us. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that even though we are distant from one another and not physically present in this building, that you are still with us and that we are still the body and spiritually we are together. God, I pray that as your word is preached this morning, that it would be your word preached and not mine through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that your Holy Spirit is present and active in our hearts and minds this morning, helping us to learn what you want us to learn and helping us to grow in the ways that you want us to grow. And God, I just pray for all of us that a sense during these next few moments, a sense of peace would be on us, that we would be able to take our attention and take our focus off of what's going on in our lives. And even if just for a little while, focus entirely on you. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and everyone gathered together, wherever you are watching this from, said amen amen brothers and sisters do you not know have you not heard the lord is the everlasting god the creator of the ends of the earth he will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. God, brothers and sisters, is an everlasting God. God is a good God. God is a loving God. God is a just God. God is a God who is with us here and now through his Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. God is a greater God. God is greater than all of the small g-gods that we have in our lives. The small g-gods of power and success and money and entertainment and all of the things of this world that we think will fulfill us. Brothers and sisters, this is a time to refocus our lives and turn towards the God who is greater than all of those small g-gods. But in this time of suffering, in this time of trials and tribulations, 
Maybe you are currently quarantined because you are sick. Maybe you've already lost a loved one to the coronavirus. Maybe you've lost your job. And, and it's hard for me to say that, to hear me say that, to say, focus not on the things of the world, but things of God. In times of suffering, in times of trials and tribulations, that is incredibly difficult. So in Scripture this morning, I want to look at two people, Joseph and Stephen, who in times of deep trials and tribulations were able to focus on God. And they were able to focus on God, brothers and sisters, because they knew, they knew that it wasn't about them. It was about God and his plan and his promises. Will we know and will we understand and will we live into the fact that it's not about us? It's about God and that there is nothing that can happen in this life that will separate us from God and that even when things are bad and things are terrible and things seem hopeless in this life, nothing is hopeless when we are with God. So let me tell you of the story of Joseph. Joseph is the 11th, 11th son of Jacob, and Jacob has four wives. And Jacob is the son of Isaac and is a descendant of Abraham. And one thing I just want to note is if you read the book of Genesis, you will notice there is a lot of family dysfunction. Jacob having four wives is not a biblical mandate for us to have multiple wives. It is a biblical example of why having more than one wife can cause craziness. So Joseph is the son of Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife. And because Joseph is the son of Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife, Joseph is favored amongst all of his older brothers. Uh, Abraham, or Jacob makes for Joseph a coat, a, a colored coat that Joseph wears and shows off to his brothers. And a parenting tip for all of you, don't favor a child. And especially even if you have that favorite child that you know just you love best, don't tell the other siblings about it. Parenting tip from the book of Genesis. So Joseph has this coat of many colors and is favored and his older brothers are jealous of him. And then when he is 17, he has a dream and the dream basically says that, that he will one day lord over his older brothers. And instead of keeping this dream to himself, he decides to tell his older brothers about it. Bad move, Joseph, bad move. So after telling his older brothers about this dream, his older brothers get somewhat angry at him and decide to sell him as a slave to Egypt. So Joseph had been living in the land of Canaan and now through his brothers has been sold into slavery in Egypt. Things so far in this story are not going well for Joseph. But in Egypt, he becomes part of Potiphar's household and, and does so well as a servant for Potiphar that Potiphar puts him in charge of all of his 
uh, all the management of his estate and Joseph is doing well through the goodness of the Lord in Potiphar's household. But then Potiphar's wife takes an attraction to Joseph. The Bible says that Potiphar's wife finds Joseph handsome and wise and, and just stunning. And can't, Potiphar's wife can't keep her eyes off of Joseph and wants to bring him to bed, wants to sleep with him. And Joseph uh, rebukes and denies and tries to get away from Potiphar's wife and refuses her advances. So Potiphar's wife, frustrated that Joseph keeps being holy and, and a faithful follower of God and, and keeps refusing her advances, eventually just blames him for sleeping with her anyway. Basically claims that Joseph rapes her. So Potiphar's wife tells Potiphar of this, tells Potiphar this lie, and Potiphar, out of his own anger and sense of retribution, places Joseph in prison. So Joseph, following God, faithfully ends up in prison, and that is a lesson for us, brothers and sisters. Just because we are faithfully following God does not mean our blessed, best life is going to happen. God does not promise us material blessing. He does not promise us the good life, the American dream. Sometimes when we are following God to the best of our abilities, we end up in prison falsely accused. And Joseph, in prison falsely accused, continues to follow God, continues to be faithful to God, so much so that the, the, that the people in the prison put him in charge of other prisoners. And two of those prisoners happened to be the Pharaoh's former cupbearer bearer and the Pharaoh's former baker. And they each have dreams and Joseph interprets those dreams for the cupbearer and the baker. And the cupbearer ends up eventually getting out of prison and the poor baker gets impaled on a stake. And the cupbearer, once out of prison, uh, is now close to Pharaoh and Pharaoh tells the, the cupbearer of his dreams, that, that Pharaoh has been having dreams and doesn't understand them and wants someone to interpret them. So the cupbearer, remembering Joseph in prison, remembering that Joseph had interpreted his dreams correctly in the past, tells Pharaoh of this Hebrew in prison. So Joseph comes out of prison, comes in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells Joseph of his dreams and Joseph interprets those dreams. And Joseph interprets those dreams saying that the land of Egypt will have seven years of abundance followed by seven years of famine. So in those seven years of abundance, Joseph counsels Pharaoh to store up all of that abundance in warehouses so that they would have food for those seven years of famine. And Pharaoh listens to Joseph, the seven years of abundance happen and, and they've been storing up grain in warehouses and then the famine hits and Pharaoh sees the wisdom 
of Joseph and puts Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. Joseph becomes second in command of Egypt. Only Pharaoh is greater than Joseph. And then, brothers and sisters, Joseph's brothers who are in the famine in Canaan, they, they are starving, they are looking for food, they are looking for help. Jacob sends Joseph's brothers, his children, to Egypt to look and beg for food so that they could survive as a family. And they come before Joseph, his brothers come before him, and Joseph for a little while hides himself, but then no longer can. And in Genesis 45, I'm starting in verse 1, says this, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Can you imagine being Joseph's brother in that moment? They're thinking, oh my goodness, we sold this man. We sold our brother into slavery and now he is head of all of Egypt, second in command only to Pharaoh. Is he going to seek justice? Is he going to seek retribution? They have to be terrified of what Joseph can do to them out of revenge. But Joseph, again, following God's character and following God's faithfulness, says this to his brothers, come close to me. And when his, when his brothers had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you that sent me here, but God. Joseph, out of great faithfulness, is not mad at his brothers because he recognizes it's not about him, it's not about his suffering, it's not about the trials that he went through. He recognized that that God bringing him out of Canaan into the land of Egypt ultimately saved the family, ultimately saved the family line. God was working things out for his good. Just as Joseph suffered a little while to save the lives of his family, so did Jesus suffer to save our lives on the cross and rose on the third day. In this time of trials and tribulations in our lives, may we use this time to think about what really matters. 
that maybe God is using this time for us to, to refocus, not on the things of the world, not on treasures of, of earth, not on living our best life here, but on living our best life with him. Maybe God is using this time for us to refocus our priorities and prioritize our lives on him because nothing else can we take with us other than his love. So Joseph's brothers go back to the land of Canaan to bring Jacob back to Egypt and Jacob ends up uh, dying in Egypt after he sees Joseph and Jacob also known as Israel at this point. Um, when he dies, the, the sons, Joseph's brothers, become afraid again. And this is near the end of Genesis, Genesis 50, 15 through 23. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers and the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When the message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him and said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what now is being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph, recognizing his circumstances, recognizing God's blessing, and recognizing that it's not about him ultimately, but about what God was doing through him and through this circumstances, is able to forgive his brothers. But Tyler, you're saying, everything ended up well for Joseph. He ended up second in command in Egypt. Yes, he had to go through prison and, and go through being sold into slavery and being falsely accused. But in the end, everything ended up well for him. What if in this time of uncertainty, things don't end up well for me? And that's sometimes my question. What if in this time of uncertainty, what if in this life, things don't end up well for me? So I quickly want to take us to the New Testament, Acts chapter 6 and 7. And Acts chapter 6 and 7 records the story of a man named Stephen, filled with the grace and truth, truth of God. And just a, a person that wants to follow the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with everything in his being and all his energy. And because he, Stephen, is following God with all of his energy and all of his might, the Jewish leaders of that time become uh, just enraged with him and they bring Stephen before the Sanhedrin. And in this, at the Sanhedrin, 
Stephen in Acts 7 gives one of the greatest speeches in all of the Bible about who God is and who Jesus is. I encourage you to actually read that uh, Stephen's speech sometime this week. And then at the end of Stephen's speech, the Jewish authorities become even more enraged and stir up the people and they start stoning him and, and Stephen ends up dying. But as Stephen sees the heavens open and knows his death is imminent, he cries out to his father in heaven and, and cries out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And at the stoning of Stephen is a man named Saul, who would later meet Jesus on the road, road to Damascus and later be called Paul and write much of the New Testament. God used Stephen's speech and God used Stephen's cry for forgiveness to impact Christianity moving forward, to impact Saul in death. God used Stephen for his glory and for his good and for the advancement of his kingdom. In our sufferings, it's remembering that it's not about us. It's not about Pastor Tyler. It's not about me. It's how is God going to use this for his good and his glory? So with that, I have a question. Are we measuring our present challenges against our ability to manage them and bring good out of them? Or are we measuring our present challenges against God's ability to manage them and bring good out of them? Are we focusing on our strength or are we focusing on God's strength, God's promises, God's love of us? Chuck Swindoll writes, at least one indication of unbelief is the tendency to measure life's challenges against our own adequacy instead of against God's promises. Sometimes we measure things in life against our own adequacy to handle them rather than against the promises of God. But I submit to you, brothers and sisters, that even if we assent to the fact and, and agree to the fact that God is greater than our present circumstances, we still have feelings in those present circumstances. We still feel anxious. We still feel fearful. We're still afraid. Sometimes we're hopeless. And that is hard. That is difficult. And I have no doubt that was difficult for Joseph when he was in prison and certainly difficult for Stephen as he was being stoned to death. He did not feel good in that moment. Brothers and sisters, God is greater than our circumstances and God is greater than our feelings because faith is not a feeling. Just like I've said in past sermons that love is a choice and not a feeling that we love our spouses and our children and our friends even when we don't feel like it. We must remember that even when we don't feel like it, we can still choose to have faith. 
Even when we don't feel God present, he is present. Grace covenant, do we trust that God is present in our present circumstances, even when we don't feel it? Going back to Joseph in, in Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph says, you intended to harm me, but what you meant for evil, God used for good. And Stuart B. D. Stuart Briscoe writes this on Joseph's comment. He says, to say this is one thing, to believe it in theory is another, but to relentlessly hold to it in the dark days of betrayal and the lonely years in prison is faith of the highest order. It is imperative that we note Joseph had not moved an inch from this conviction. The faith of his youth continued into his maturity and would continue to be the dynamic force of his life to the very end. Faith, brothers and sisters, is not a theory. Will we relentlessly hold to it in these times, remembering how God has been faithful to his people in the past and remembering how God has been faithful to us in the past? God is greater than our circumstances. God is greater than our feelings. And God is greater than anything in this world. Because often we're afraid and we feel lonely and we feel hopeless. Because we're measuring all those things based on what this world has to offer. Instead of what God has to offer. Brothers and sisters, it's not about us. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our needs. It's not even about our desires. It's about God and his kingdom. The good news, brothers and sisters, is God is in control. He will be glorified and his kingdom will be restored. We don't always recognize the why of our circumstances or how God's redemptive plan is going to work out, but we can trust in that we can trust in that and Tim Keller writes this the only love that won't disappoint you is the love that can't change that can't be lost that is not based on the ups and downs of life or how well you live it is something that not even death can take away from you God's love is the only thing like that if you are a non-Christian and you've made it to the end of this video, one, thank you for listening. But two, I wanna ask you this question. And this is a question that we as believers also need to ask ourselves. COVID-19 has taken away stuff from all of us. For some of us, it's only taken away the ability to move freely about and gather. For others of us, it has taken away much more, including lives of loved ones. What is important in this time? Is it how much money we're making? Is it how much success we have? Is it what power we hold? Is it fame and fortune and, and money? 
It's not. There is nothing the earth has that we can take with us. God's love through Jesus Christ is the only thing that we can take with us. And it is my prayer, non-Christian and Christian alike, that we would turn away from putting our hopes in the things of this world and recognize that God is greater. God is greater because he is what will last. His faithfulness, his love, his salvation. May we turn away from the world and turn towards him. Be in his word. Pray with him. Seek him above all other things. I want to close with this. A phrase that is often said amongst millennials and Generation Z is the phrase, I am living my best life. And it's a phrase that is usually accompanied by a picture uh, uh, of people on the beach drinking beer or a beautiful sunset or whatever. Brothers and sisters, I say this in love. You will not live your best life on this earth. Number one, it's not your life to begin with. It's God's. Number two, there is nothing in this world, nothing in this world that will compare to the goodness, to the greatness, to the glory of sitting or standing or kneeling in front of the throne of God and worshiping him for all of eternity. Nothing in this world is better than that. God is greater. Let us live our best life with him and ignore the things of the world or at the very least use the things of the world to glorify him, the one who created us, the one who gave us life, the one who sustains us and the one who will keep his promises. Brothers and sisters, God is so much greater. Let us turn to him. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for the reminder that you are greater, that you are greater than our circumstance. You are greater than our feelings, and you are certainly greater than anything this world has to offer. God, in our time of distress, in our time of anxiety, in our time of fear, may we hold fast to the words of the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. God, may we rest in the words of Isaiah. May you give us strength when we are weak. May you give us energy when we are tired. And may we turn towards you. And I pray for all of the people watching this video 
that have not yet turned towards you. I pray that you would soften their hearts and that your love would just overflow towards them and fill them up so that there is nothing that they want to do more than live a life for you, turning away from the things of this world and turning towards you in repentance. God, thank you. Continue to be with us and help us all to know that there is nothing, not even death, that can separate us from your love. Through your Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us forward from here. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, thank you, Grace Covenant. And thank you for those of you that aren't a part of Grace Covenant and that have joined us this morning. I pray that these words were an encouragement to you. And normally after the sermon, we take an offering. So I want to remind you, if you are part of the Grace Covenant family, that you can still give online at gracecovenantlakewood.org, or the short, shortened version of that is gcclw.org. Just click the donate button. And if you are watching this video and you are not a part of Grace Covenant, Lakewood, but this has blessed you in some way, please also consider giving. But as I always say, please do not give out of obligation. Please give out of a response of God's graciousness, God's love to you, and remembering that everything we have is not ours, but it is God's, given to us to use for his glory and for his kingdom. Brothers and sisters, go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. God bless.